turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. And we are looking at the whole chapter of Proverbs 2 this morning. Proverbs chapter 2, we're looking at verses 1 through 22, and we'll stand in a few moments to to read. But uh, to begin with, boys and girls, I I wanted to kind of start with a little exercise. Um, And just for those of you who are parents or or just anyone who might be concerned about the noise level, just just rest assured that this kind of noise level was actually the norm throughout most of church history. Our our very quiet churches are somewhat of a a novel thing, somewhat of a new thing uh, in the grand scheme of things. Most of church history has been filled with congregations, just with lots of noise like this. It's, it's actually fairly normal, and it's okay. Um, we love kids, and they're made in the image of God, and, and uh, it's okay to have a little extra noise every now and then. It's going to be all right. But uh, I wanted to start with a little exercise, boys and girls, where I, I say a line from a movie, and you tell me what movie it's from. Okay, so here we go. It's time to see what I can do. Push the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. You can just say it out loud. It's frozen. That's right. That's right. Okay. Let's let it go, frozen. Uh, this one might be a little harder. This one is from about 25 years ago, but some of you might have seen it. Uh, the main character asks, when will my reflection show who I am inside. That's right, Mulan. You know it. All right. Uh, this one's also a bit older, but it's, it's probably even better known. Um, children have got to be free to lead their own lives. Children have got to be free to lead their own lives. It's Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Okay, and this one's kind of newer. Uh, this is, it's, it's a bit newer. The main characters in, in this movie, his best friend is describing his plans to travel, uh, hint, hint, on a Vespa. And he says, every day we'll ride to someplace new and every night we'll sleep beneath the fish. No one to tell us what to do. Just you and me out there free. It's Luca, that's right. Now, boys and girls, listen. I wonder if you've ever noticed that many of the movies made specifically for you are trying to send you a, a, a particular message. Many of the movies that you've watched throughout your childhood are sending you a very clear and alluring, but also a destructive message. And it's this, you should be and do whatever you want. Whatever you feel inside is your truth, and you should follow it wherever it leads you. Be true to yourself. Follow your heart. Above all, you do you. And many of the movies you've watched as you've been growing up have been telling you that there's a very unique and special you inside of you, and that for you to be happy and live a good life, you need to just let it out and express it. You shouldn't let anyone, not your family, your parents, your church, your teachers, not anyone, not any rules or restraints get in the way of you being the unique and special you that you feel you are. What you need to do 
is cast off those restraints and, and whatever guidance your authority figures give you. That message is all over the place if you have eyes to see it. But you know, then again, there's one character from, from one of those movies that you've probably seen in your life that points out part of the problem with this whole idea, and it's, it's actually Buddy from The Incredibles. Okay, you know, Buddy is one of Mr. Incredibles' uh, favorite fans, his biggest fans, and, and he wants to be Mr. Incredibles' sidekick, and, and you know, Mr. Incredible, he doesn't treat Buddy so nicely, which is not good. But eventually, Buddy becomes Syndrome, right? Which the greatest villain that Mr. Incredible will ever face. But, but there's one line from Buddy in The Incredibles that's so insightful. You know, Mr. Incredible would always tell his friends, be true to yourself, be true to yourself. That's the normal message from these movies, right? But Buddy at one point says to Mr. Incredible, you always tell me to be true to myself, but you never tell me which part of myself to be true to. And of course, this is showing part of the problem with this message that you've been hearing throughout your life, is that not everything you think or feel or desire is good and true. Not everything in life that, that you want is actually good for you. If you're anything like me, and I know you are, most of what you think and feel and want is actually not good for you. you know, because of God's common grace, of course, we do at times desire what is good and true and beautiful, and even more when we experience His saving grace. But, but because we're fallen, because we're sinful, because we're broken in and of ourselves, we also all have evil, wicked desires within ourselves that lead us, if we follow them, to, to do horrible things to our siblings and friends and, and parents and neighbors and all in rebellion against God. That's what's inside of us. And if we let it out, if we're true to ourselves with no discernment, no guidance, no uh, direction from the outside, well, we actually head down a path of destruction, much like Syndrome did in The Incredibles. And so this morning, I want to tell you something quite different than much of what you'll hear from your friends in the movies and all of that. I want to tell you to not be true to yourself, to not look within yourself to find out how to be happy and live a good life, to not follow your heart and do whatever you feel inside. Instead, I want to tell you this morning to look for and seek for a good life outside of yourself. And that if you look at the right place, you'll find, you'll actually find a satisfaction and safety greater than anything you'll find in this world. Our text this morning is Proverbs 2, 1 through 22. If you'd like to stand with me for the reading of God's holy and precious word, let's listen with reverence and rejoicing to the word of our God, written by Solomon, inspired by the Holy Spirit. My son, if you receive my words... And treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. 
From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the the departed." None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Father, We ask that you would make the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, friends, we're we're right now in a series where we're slowly making our way through chapters 1 through 9 of Proverbs, And, and these chapters here are a series of 10 poetic talks given from a father to his son. And, and, and as we read uh, these chapters, boys and girls, you, you might picture something like your dad or mom um, talking to you around the family dinner table, giving you guidance, warning you, instructing you. Uh, that's what King Solomon is doing here and these chapters for his son. He's teaching his son, and as he's teaching his son, he's telling him, hey, there's ultimately two paths in life that you might take, that you might walk down in life. That's the main message of these chapters. There are two ways in which you can live in this life. There's the way of wisdom and the way of foolishness. Okay, there's the way of godliness and the way of godlessness. There's the way of delight and the way of destruction. And Solomon is telling son, you've got to choose one. Okay, there are only two paths available to you. You've got to pick one, choose well. And as we continue in our passage this morning, Solomon is telling his son and us how we can get started on this path of wisdom and godliness and delight, as well as why we should want to choose this path for ourselves. In verses 1 to 4, we're told that wisdom is actually only found by those who look for it. You have to search for it. You have to seek it. In verses 5 to 8, we find that wisdom is ultimately only found in in one place, and that's in God. And then verses 9 to 22, we see why we should want wisdom. There's a, a... Wisdom gratifies and guards us. We should want it for those reasons. And so, look with me at wisdom search, wisdom source, wisdom satisfaction and wisdom safety. First, wisdom search. And to begin with, you might be wondering, what is wisdom? It seems like kind of an abstract 
concept. Well, wisdom in the first place is, is, is the skill of living in right relationship with everything in life, beginning with having a right relationship with God. Wisdom is this skill of living in right relationship with your family, your parents, your siblings, your friends, your spouse. It's having a right relationship with morality, with food, with school, with sexuality, with your words, with your emotions, with your money, with your work. It's having a right relationship with with everything in life, but it begins with having a right relationship with God. And, and, and that sounds really attractive, doesn't it? And, and so how do we get this wisdom, this right relationship with, with everything in life? Well, we get it first by seeking it. And then so that's what Solomon tells us to do here in verses 1 to 4. Solomon is saying in verses 1 to 4 that, that if you want wisdom, you've got to seek and search for it. And notice how he, 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 he calls us to seek and search for it with our whole selves, this desperate search. First, First, he just calls us to be open to it, to be receptive. You can go to the, the text here. He calls us in verse 1 to, to just be open, to, to receive it, to come to this book and to God with a posture of reception. But then he moves on to, to the mind. He wants us to store up, to treasure up, to, to commit to memory the words of this book. So he calls us to engage our mind, and not only our minds, but our ears and our hearts in verse 2. We're to make our ears attentive. We're to incline our hearts. We're to open our ears and our hearts to the word of God here. And, and then in verse 3, our voices are to be engaged as well. We're to call out for insight and raise our voice for understanding. In other words, we're to pray and ask God for wisdom with, with urgency, with a kind of desperation. And then in verse 4, he He tells us to engage our our whole bodies, our whole selves in this search. We're to search for wisdom as if it's a valuable treasure. Boys and girls, what if I told you that there's buried treasure in your backyard right now and that you could could go home today and, and find, if you find this buried treasure in your backyard, you'll find enough money and valuables that you and your family will actually never be in need of money for the rest of your life. You can, whatever you want to buy, you can buy. Whatever money can give you, you can get it. What would you do if I told you that there was buried treasure like this in, the, in your backyard? So I bet your backyard would start looking like Swiss cheese, right? There'd be tons of holes, Uh, just today and in this coming week. Well, Solomon is telling us that we should seek and search for wisdom with that sort of intensity and intentionality. And with all this, understand, notice he's not telling us to look within ourselves for this wisdom. He's pointing us to search for wisdom outside ourselves, to not look within, but to look without. He's pointing us to an outward search. Boys and girls, one of the areas, I think this chapter is is actually pointing you in in life and the search for wisdom is to your parents, right? Ultimately, he's pointing us to the wisdom of God's word, but he's also pointing you to your parents for wisdom as they teach and instruct you in the wisdom of God. I know that some of you, maybe particularly those who are older, Some of you guys probably are tempted to think sometimes that your parents 
maybe they're not all that wise and knowledgeable. And sometimes you might really think that, that they're not worth listening to all that much. But listen to me. There's no one in this, on this planet that loves you more than your parents do. And they, they want what's best for you. And what's more is, listen, your parents have lived a lot more life than you. They've had a lot more experiences than you. So they probably know some stuff that you don't know. So if you have someone in your life who loves you and wants what's best for you, I tell my kids this all the time. If you have someone in your life that loves you and wants what's best for you, and they know more than you do, you would do well to listen to them. You would do well to listen. It was uh, Mark Twain who once said, when I was 14 years old, my old man was just so ignorant I could hardly stand being around him. But when I turned 21, I was shocked at how much he'd learned in just seven years, right? <laughs> listen, listen to your parents. They, they, they know more than you. They know more than you might give them credit for. Listen to your parents. And you know, it, it occurs to me in this moment actually too that, that in telling children to, to listen to their parents, parents, we should strive to be worthy of such a commendation. We should strive to be worthy of such a commendation. So I, I think we're, we've all lived enough life now to know that just because someone is an adult and because they have children does not mean that they're wise and actually worth listening to. The, 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 we, we've all seen parents, foolish parents, who have raised their children to be foolish after their own image and likeness. And so we should, we should strive to be worthy of Solomon's commendation here. We should strive to be parents who are wise and who, if our children listen to us, it will be a blessing to them in life. And, you know, there's, there's application there for not just the parents in the room, but for all of us as, as church members. Guys, it, if, there are, if there are children in this room who grow up under the, the tutelage or parentage of foolish parents, they will have every right to look at us when they grow up and say, where were you? Why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you do anything while I was being raised under such folly? Why couldn't you have said something to my parents and helped them, rebuke them? And God give us grace to have awkward and uncomfortable conversations with each other like that. Because we want, we, want we want to be wise people. And that goes for all of us. That's not just children or parents. It's for all of us as church members. We want to be those who are wise and discerning and understanding in life. And if we as a church, as parents, as children, as church members, if we would all grow in wisdom in this way, we need one another to be sure. But we also ultimately need to look to one place. And that's wisdom's source. There's only one place to look if we would find perfect, infallible wisdom in life. Wisdom that is flawless and foolproof. Look at verses 5 to 8. If you search for wisdom in the way verses 1 to 4 prescribe, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. He's saying, if you would be wise, look to the one with all wisdom, the Lord who, who, 
who knows all. He, he created all things. If you want to know how to live in right relationship with everything in life, look to the one who created it all and sustains it all and knows it all. Wisdom comes from him. And so first things first, if we would be wise, get in right relationship with God. Get in right relationship with God. That's what verse 5 is talking about there. When it says, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The, the fear of the Lord is this posture of taking God seriously. It's this posture of taking God seriously, submitting to him with reverence and awe for who he is. And the knowledge of God is having an, an intimacy of relationship with him. It's knowing him like you would know a close family member or friend. That's what it looks like to be in right relationship with God, to fear Him and to know Him, to, to take Him seriously and to know Him intimately. And of course, how, how do we get in this right relationship with God? Remember, th this is where it starts. If you want to be wise and begin learning to live in right relationship with everything around you, it begins here in right relationship with God. And so how do we get in right relationship with God? Well, that can only happen through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.18 tells us that God reconciles us to himself through Jesus Christ. We read earlier, uh, John 14.6, that Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. If you want right relationship with God, you have to go through Jesus Christ. Because only Jesus has lived the perfect life of wisdom that you and I ought to have lived but haven't. Only Jesus lived in right relationship with God. Only Jesus lived in right relationship with everything in life, and then he went to the cross there to be rejected by God for us so that we might be reconciled to God and begin to be in right relationship with him. And now, because Christ is risen, he also sends his spirit and gives us his word so that we might then be guided and taught and instructed by his word and spirit, growing and living a life of wisdom like himself. If you want to begin learning to live in right relationship with, with everything around you, don't look within yourself. Look outside yourself. Look to God. Look to his wisdom. Look to his son. And if you do, you will find him. You will get in right relationship with him. You will learn to live in right relationship with everything else in life. And then second is get into God's word. If you would be wise, get into God's Word. It's, it's in, this, in this book that we find words breathed out from the mouth of God, 2 Timothy 3.16. It's in this book that we find the words that come from the mouth of God, Matthew 4.4. 4. The mouth from which come knowledge and understanding has spoken in His Word. So get in this book. Children, read your Bible. Parents, read your Bible. Parents, read your Bible to your children. Everyone, whether you're single or married or, or a grandparent or whatever, get in the Bible. If you would live a good and fruitful life, Psalm 1 would tell you, meditate on it day and night, and you will be blessed. If you would have a right relationship with everything in life, rooted in right relationship with God, you must get in this book, this is the place in which you find wisdom. Read it, study it, memorize it, meditate on it, listen to it, plaster your reality with it 
And if you do, you won't walk through this life as a fool, but as a wise and understanding child of God, after his own image and likeness. Give yourself to wisdom's search, wisdom's source, and if you do, you'll also find wisdom's satisfaction. If you search for wisdom, it will be given to you, and you'll be satisfied. You'll be gratified. Solomon here tells us that that if we give ourselves to wisdom search, to a right relationship with our God, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Every good path for wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. There's a kind of happiness that comes into your life when you know God and walk in His ways. It's, it's a happiness that is it's distinctly different from mere pleasure and fleeting amusement right? Boys and girls, you can experience pleasure and amusement by just eating a slice of cake or watching an episode of your favorite television show, right? You can experience pleasure and amusement in that way, but, and that can make you happy for a moment, and it's not necessarily bad, but the pleasure and amusement only lasts so long, and then it's over. But, but the kind of happiness that Solomon is talking about here, the delight and pleasantness and satisfaction that comes from knowing God and living according to His ways, that leads to a deeper, long-lasting satisfaction in your heart and soul. It leads to a contentment and peace in life. Boys and girls, do you know who Tom Brady is? Yeah. We personally like Joe Burrow in our household. Uh, But Brady's the goat. I mean, these are facts. It's just a fact. And I remember years ago when Tom Brady had only won three Super Bowls. Uh, in his career, and, and he was being interviewed on television about his life and career and accomplishments, and, and at one point, Brady just comes out and says this. He says, there's times where I'm not the person I want to be. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I, I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. Me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? You see, Tom Brady, at that point in his life, had had reached the pinnacle of success. He had experienced the, the pleasure of accomplishing his goals. He had experienced the pleasure of winning Super Bowls and making tons of money and achieving his dreams. He'd been true to himself and done what was in his heart. And yet, at the end of the day, he still says, I'm not the person I want to be. I'm not the person that I want to be. There's got to be something else out there for me. He's still unsatisfied and all, listen, because he didn't have a right relationship with his creator who was guiding him and leading him to have a right relationship with everything else in life. He did not have his creator helping him, guiding him to be the person that he ought to be. Boys and girls, don't let that same tragedy be true of your life. Know your creator and the wisdom of his ways and be satisfied in him. If you do, you'll also be kept safe. Verse 11 says, discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. The, verse 7 says that the Lord will, will be a shield to you. There's, there's safety in knowing your creator and walking in the wisdom of his ways. And here's why. Boys and girls, there are going to be some uniquely destructive voices that you hear throughout your life. 
When I tell you to look outside of yourself for guidance and, and direction for living a good life, I don't mean that every voice you hear will be a good voice. Some voices will tell what is worst in you exactly what you want to hear. There are going to be people in this world who will invite you into, into ways and ways of living that seem good and pleasant, maybe at first, but that in the end lead to destruction. And Solomon describes two of them here. There's the voice of the gang. It's likely the same group that we saw last week. Verses 12 to 15, they're, they're described. They're men of perverted speech. They forsake the paths of uprightness. They walk in ways of darkness. They rejoice in doing evil. They delight in the perverseness of evil. Their paths are crooked. They're devious in their ways. In other words, there are going to be peers in your life who pressure you to become cruel, vile, and wicked. There are going to be friends from school, kids from the neighborhood. They could come from anywhere, and they'll invite you into lives of violence, lives of bullying, lives of greed, lives of cheating and deception and lying, and inevitably, their ways of living will lead to ruin and destruction. And the only way that you're going to be equipped to, to rightly deal with them and decline them is if you're equipped by God's Word, knowing what God has said and by knowing what's good and true according to His Word. There's also another voice, verses 16 to 19. Solomon writes, so you'll be delivered from the forbidden woman, this adulteress with her smooth words. She forsakes the companion of her youth, forgets the covenant of her God. Her house sinks down to death, her paths to the departed, to the dead. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. There, there are going to be other voices in your life that call you into lives of sexual immorality, voices that call you to depart from God's good design for sex and sexuality within marriage. Parents, church members, listen. The children in our midst are going to grow up hearing about sex and sexuality from someone and somewhere. Because it's everywhere in our world right now. They're going to hear about it, and there's, there's so much confusion and evil and wickedness swirling in the air in this cultural moment when it comes to these matters. So, so part of what we're called to in this moment is to not avoid the subject because it's awkward or uncomfortable. Our job in this church as parents, as, as church members, is to talk about these matters in ways that are clear, in ways that are responsible, in ways that are clear and biblical. So that the, the first and primary places in which our kids are being educated and discipled about these matters is their household and the household of God. We, we, we can't afford to take a, a, a wait-and-see kind of approach with our kids in this cultural moment. Our kids will be educated. They will be discipled in these matters. There's going to be discipled from someone. It, it could be you or it could be Kim Kardashian or some other influencer, right? It could be, they could be discipled by God's word or they could be discipled by TikTok. What, what do we, who do we want them to be discipled by? Who do we want our children to learn about these things from? Let's do our best to equip these young ones in this cultural moment with wisdom and grace from God's word. Because listen, the path of the forbidden woman, the path of the adulteress with her smooth words, it's enticing, it's alluring, but her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. Hebrews 11.25 would tell us that sin is pleasant, 
right? Sin is pleasant. It is. It wouldn't be attractive to us. It wouldn't be tempting if it weren't pleasant. It is, but Hebrews 11 tells us it's only pleasant for a season. It doesn't deeply satisfy, and it's not ultimately safe because it leads to destruction. It ultimately leads to judgment and wrath and hell. But friends, if we seek wisdom from wisdom's source, if we get in right relationship with God and thereby learn from Him to be in right relationship with everything else in life, we will instead be satisfied and safe and will be kept for a good end. And that's what these last two verses are about here, about inhabiting the land, about remaining in the land, not being cut off, but inhabiting and remaining in the land. Those verses are, are referring to the land promise of the Old Covenant. And if the nation of Israel lived in accordance with God's way and wisdom that they would dwell there in the promised land where, where God would be their God and they would be His people, and we know that ultimately they failed. They did not dwell in the land, but they were sent out of the land. But friends, there is one who hasn't failed. Jesus has not failed. While Israel was unwise and did not live according to God's word and ways and wisdom, Jesus has been wise for us. And what's more is he has secured for us a better land, a heavenly country, a new heaven, and a new earth. He has secured it for those who follow him. He has secured a new world where we will be given indestructible bodies and just like Christ's own resurrected body where we will never cry or experience pain or sorrow or sadness or sickness or sin anymore. He has prepared a land and place like that for us. And he has blazed the path to it with his life, death, and resurrection. If we will trust in him and follow him, if we will seek him and be reconciled to God through him, then he will keep us safe and secure on the path that ends with that world where we will dwell satisfied and secure forevermore. If we seek wisdom from wisdom's source, we will gain wisdom. We will be gratified by wisdom. We will be guarded by wisdom and we will experience the glory of wisdom in the world to come if we look to Christ and his ways. Let's pray. Father, as we come to the table, seal this word upon our hearts. We pray that this, this word would pierce and go into the hearts of those who have not yet begun on the path of wisdom, that you would call them to that path, that you would call them to your son, that you would call them to your will and your ways, to your salvation. And we pray that for all of us, that you would increase in us wisdom so that we would grow in living in right relationship with everything around us, that we would grow in fearing you and knowing you for the sake and glory of your name so that this church and the households therein would bring you glory and represent you well in the earth and one day dwell secure in the home that you're preparing for us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.